Get your crew together and show us what you've got. Visit 1280thezone.com and enter to win a free entry for your team in the Salt Lake City Summer League 3-on-3 tournament. This year's tournament takes place July 1st, and there's a spot for everyone. Kids or adults, male or female, competitive or just for fun. Enter today. DJ and PK ready to talk NBA free agency now with Jovan Buha. He covers the Los Angeles Clippers for the Athletic, and he joins us on the Sprint Special guest line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Jovan, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. We're very curious about the Clippers and their plans for free agency and whether they're going to hit it big and hit it so big that maybe they have to move some guys and there be some trades and some guys available. Uh, and I guess it all starts with, A, do you think Kawhi's coming? And, B, do you think somebody big's coming along with him? I mean, I mean that's the uh, $140.6 million question, right? <laughs> um, though for the Clippers, I reported this a couple weeks ago, Like they've really centered in on Kawhi Leonard and Kevin Durant. I think now you could include Clay Thompson in that mix. I don't think they originally thought he'd be available. I thought that, uh, you know, kind of before his injury and everything, the, the Warriors would just offer him the five-year max, and you would sign that and not even hit the free agent market. But uh, as Adrian Wojnarowski ESPN reported yesterday, uh, if the Warriors don't come with that you know, five-year max for Clay, he could test agency, and the Clippers would be one of the teams you would take a meeting with. So... I think if it, you know, from the Clippers' perspective, it is Kawhi, it is KD, and it is Clay. And really, after that, there's a huge drop off for them for the rest of the free agents. And I think with what they're trying to build and the way they've been kind of approaching this, you know, they want a top ten guy, a top twelve guy, a guy who could be a number one option on a championship team. And they've identified those three guys as those types of guys. So for the other guys, you know, Tyree, Jimmy, uh, Kemba Walker, they're not as interested in those guys. And, and, you know, they would be interested in them as a number two option in addition to one of the the first three guys I just said. But uh, for them, it's really, they're going big fish hunting. And if they can't get one of those guys, they're just going to sit out kind of for agency. They won't spend, you know, they they have to spend their money uh, on, on other guys, but There'll be a lot of one- or two-year deals that roll over the cap space for 2020 or 2021. Uh, now, as for the chances Kawhi ends up in L.A., I would still say right now it seems to be 50-50 between the Clippers and the Raptors. But look, like the, the Raptors made the best pitch possible. You know, they, they got Kawhi in a, not in a position of strength. He wanted to come to L.A. It's one of the L.A. teams, uh, the Lakers with the Clippers. But he went to Toronto. They won a championship, and... They look primed, I think, to win another one if he goes back there. So I think right now I'd be leaning towards Kawhi signing a one-plus-one in Toronto, but I think he's going to meet with the Clippers. They're going to have a really compelling pitch, and it would not surprise me if he ends up in L.A. Okay, so with that in mind, you know, we wanted to relate to how it affects the Jazz. They've already made the big move with Conley, obviously, and they still need another yeah. perimeter shooter who would hopefully be a big man. And so what we're thinking here is the Clippers score, they get the guy or guys that they want, and do you think at that point, if they are successful, that somebody like a Gallinari be, could become available? Yeah, 100%. For the Clippers to get a second max guy or near max guy, they would have to move some money around. 
uh, and Neil Gallinari in particular would probably see the contract move just because he's making twenty two point six million, and I, I think he you know would would be an easy contract move. Like I think he, he's a very valuable you know asset right now. He it's an expiring deal. He's coming off a season in which he was a borderline all star. He got some All NBA votes. Like uh, and. From a Jazz perspective, I think De Niro would, would fit great with, with what they're doing. Um, like you said, I, I do think they could use another perimeter shooter, especially from the big man position. So if you're looking at it, uh, a starting five of like you know Rudy, him, uh, Joe, uh, Mike, and, and Donovan, like that, that's a really good starting five. That might be the best starting five in the West. With Gallinari, there have been some injuries. How how do you view him yes. right now as a player? What if, if let's say he did come? Jazz fans, tell him what the plus would be and what the minus would be, and and how those balance out. So the the injuries are a concern. I don't think you can downplay that if you just look at you know historically. I think you know he he's had a significant injury in more seasons than he hasn't. So that that is a legitimate concern, and he is. I believe, uh, you know, just, I think he's 30, about to be 31. So, you know, he's, he's getting up there a little bit in age. But it would be a one-year expiring deal, so there's a minimal risk uh, on the Jazz end. But in terms of his strengths and weaknesses, like, Daniel Gallinari just put up a top-10 true shooting percentage season. And if you look at the rest of the guys on that list, it's all centers and Steph Curry. So, you know, he is one of the most efficient offensive players in the league. Uh, he really, you know, if you looked at a lot of his stats, they're very similar to Dirk Nowitzki's best seasons. Um, he didn't put up the, the, the volume of shots and points that Dirk did, but um, really his mid-range shooting, his three-point shooting, his, his free throws, like it was all very similar to Dirk Nowitzki. So offensively, uh, I would say Daniel Gallinari is like a top 25 offensive player in the league, which is you can get one of those types of guys, go do it. Uh, and defensively, he's very underrated. You know, he's not a stopper per se, but he, he held his own in, in many matchups for, for the Clippers. He defended everyone from like Giannis to Mark Gasol. So he's a very versatile defender. Um, you know, weaknesses would really just be he's not he's not he's not a go-to option. And I think you saw that in the playoffs, and you wouldn't have to be on the Jazz, you know, especially with Mike and, and Donovan there. But um, I think that sometimes he could be a little hesitant to shoot. Uh, you know, he can pass up shots. He he can just almost be too like, I want to find a good shot, so I'm not going to take this. Which I think that's probably a good quality to have. But there were times where you would wish he was more aggressive and, and look for his own shot more. But I think in the context of the Jazz, he would be a really smart addition. Now we're both from California. I used to work at the Daily Breeze Sports Department in the '80s and '90s, and everything was all about the Lakers then, as you can imagine before I yeah. moved up here. Uh, and we hear some national people saying, oh, why would Kawhi want to go to the second team that gets no attention in the L.A. area? Is that still a valid argument? It's valid, but I, I think Kawhi doesn't like attention. Like, you know, and I think there is something to the dynamic in L.A. where even if Kawhi went to uh, the Lakers, He'd probably be what the second or third biggest star. I mean, he's not a bigger star than LeBron, but probably arguable if he's as big of a star as AD. Like you know, AD has a couple commercials right now. Like you can make the case he, he still might be a bigger star than Kawhi, even though Kawhi's the reigning Finals MVP. 
But, you know, being the third guy with the Lakers is, is still probably more high profile than the first guy with the Clippers. And I, I think if you look at Kawhi Leonard's career, the way he's operated just with the media and, you know, endorsements and kind of his public image, he does not seem to me to be a guy who really cares about that stuff. And if anything, he, it, it seems like he doesn't like that stuff. So I, I think going through the Lakers, you know, being part of, um, probably at that point the most high-profile media team in the league, uh, you know, with the Warriors probably taking a step back next season. I, I just don't know if, if Kawhi Leonard would be interested in that. And I think if you, you know, San Antonio was not a high-profile um, place, you know, they're, they're very kind of, um, you know, there's a kind of limit with the media there. And then Toronto, I think they, it was obviously a one-year thing where they're almost kind of like call him. But you go to L.A. with the Lakers, like, there's no coddling there. You're going to be exposed to the media 24-7. You're going to be asked ridiculous questions, and it's going to be a lot of pressure. And everything you do is going to be under a microscope and on you know, first take and all these shows and stuff. So I think for him, going to the Clippers would, would have the benefits of being in L.A., but it would just not be as high stakes, as high pressure, and he just wouldn't be as scrutinized as much. Jovan Buha joining us. He covers the Clippers for the Athletic. Uh, as you talk to people about what might happen in the league, is there anything you're really willing to say, hey, I'm, I'm 99% sure this is happening, or is this really going to be the wild, wild west when everything cuts loose on Sunday? Or are people going to be able to report stuff on Friday and Saturday saying, hey, this is going to happen and they're going to be right? It, it does seem like it's going to be the wild, wild west across the league, and, and that's what's so exciting. Um, I would say the two things that seem the most likely are you know, kind of obvious, but you know, Clay going to Golden State, I just can't see Golden State not offering him the five-year max. Like For them to potentially lose KD and Clay in the same offseason, uh, you know, they're obviously both injured, but you know, I think that would just be a disaster for, for Golden State uh, to head into their new arena without both of those guys on the roster, even if they're not playing. So I think Golden State, you know, might not have technically offered it to him yet, even, you know, talked to him about it yet. But I would be shocked if the Warriors don't come with the five-year max for Clay. So I think Clay's going to resign there on the five-year max. And then it really does seem like there's a lot of smoke with Kyrie to Brooklyn. Uh, that, that seems to be a real thing with or without Kevin Durant. So those are the two things that I, I've heard the most and it seems be, um, you know, the most likely to happen. But outside of that, like, you have no idea what Kevin Durant's going to do, right? He can, he can resign. He can go to York. You know, the Clippers, as I mentioned. Uh, Kawhi, obviously, the Clippers and Raptors. Jimmy Butler now potentially signing for the Houston. So there's so many things that are going to happen over the next three days to a week that are just going to shift the NBA landscape. And I couldn't be more excited. How long do you think it's going to take? you think it drags out or guys act quick? I wonder about that because, you know, LeBron is kind of in the trendsetter for these types of things, right? Like, in 2010, there was the decision, and then you know, he went back to Cleveland, and you've seen other guys have reunions and stuff. So last year, LeBron, you know, agreed to terms with the Lakers on the first, you know, within the first 24 hours of free agency. So I, I do wonder if, um, you know, I, like Kawhi does not strike me as the guy who wants to drag this out for a week or two. KD maybe, and KD might be the biggest domino, so uh, who knows, maybe KD just drags it out and then that's what happens. But I do think it, 
it would not surprise me if, if we have most of the action done with the big names within the first like three days, maybe four. But I'd be surprised by if you know Tuesday, Wednesday, next week, we don't know where most of the big guys are going. You have a uh, gut, gut instinct for who the big winner in the West is going to be because obviously with the Conley trade, Jazz fans are excited, and yet everyone yeah. realizes there's so many more pieces of the puzzle. You have a gut instinct on who the big winner is going to be coming out of this? Hey, it's so tough to tell. I, I think um, I actually agree with Daryl Morey that as currently as every West team is currently constructed, I would make Houston the favorite personally. Um, you know, I just think look at you know they, they played the Warriors as good as anybody really in the last couple of years and I know they might not like each other but if they bring, if they could somehow find a way to kind of salvage things and bring that roster back maybe you know trade for a Jimmy Butler or make a, an addition uh, I think the Rockets currently to me look like the best team in the West I think the Jazz are right there like to me you know they're probably number two or three um, you, you got to throw the Lakers in there now. I'm really interested to see how they build out the roster. Obviously, last season, you know, last offseason, they did not do a good job with that. So I'm not very confident. But if they can somehow find guys like uh, like Danny Green or J.J. Redick or, or just solid role players to kind of throw in there if they can't get that third max guy, like the Lakers obviously vault you know, probably to the top just because they have two top five, six players in the league. And then... I think the Clippers will be in there if they can get a Kawhi. Um, obviously, Clay and KD, if they got one of those guys, they'd probably miss most, if not all, the season. So that wouldn't help the Clippers next season. But I think if the Clippers get Kawhi, you, you can't ha- not help but put them towards the top, if not at the top. Uh, but, I mean, that's the thing. Like, we're, we're going to know in a few days everything's going to potentially change. But right now, my, my two, you know, I think the top two teams in the West probably are Houston and Utah. You bring up an interesting point last year with the Lakers. You know, they get LeBron, and then they try to augment the roster with a bunch of guys who have, uh, you probably say, questionable character. And on the court, you're not sure what you're getting night to night, and and it didn't work whatsoever. It certainly went once LeBron got injured, and then they get Davis here, and it's almost like just because they're LA, they were able to get lebron and davis but i don't know if those two alone with a bunch of nobodies is good enough and now magic is gone i don't know who was making the decisions last year and how much of it was a combination of palenka and magic but how much confidence do you have in that front office to be able to supplement that roster to make sure they have enough with these two superstars i I don't have a lot of confidence to, to, to be honest like um i mean it seemed like some of the reporting and framing once Magic left was that, you know, Magic was the head decision maker. He was the one who had signed those guys last summer. But you got to think there's some like you know PR spin uh, in some of that because I think if you just look at what the Lakers did with the Anthony Davis trade, like yes, they got Anthony Davis, but they really gave up you know one of the biggest hauls in NBA history for for a star. And, Maybe Davis is worth it. You know, I think um, it was only a couple years ago where we were already talking about him as you know, maybe the best player in the league, and uh, you know, probably the the young, the one young guy in the league you, you want to have. Now it's probably Giannis, but um, so, so maybe you know, maybe Davis leads them to a couple championships, and, and it ends up being worth it. But I think uh, you know, looking at things right now, the Lakers definitely lost that negotiation. Like they, they gave up more than. 
they gave up more than they offered in February, and, and they probably had more leverage now than they did back then. So uh, I just don't, I don't have the confidence in, in their front office, uh, you know, currently. Uh, they could easily prove me wrong, but uh, I'm really fascinated to see. You know, they didn't kind of prioritize shooting last summer, which is arguably the most important thing in the NBA right now, uh, outside of maybe like defensive versatility. So if they once again don't prioritize shooting or, or only have like one shooter, uh, I, you know, I don't like their chances. But if they spend their money well and, and get again, like a, a Patrick Beverly or a J.J. Redick or a Danny Green and add these types of you know, gritty role players who can shoot and play some defense, then um, I think they'll, they'll be in the mix and you have to kind of give them the edge just because at the end of the day, you know, having multiple top 10 guys really gives you a chance in the playoffs. And in this case, I think the Lakers have a couple of them as long as they can stay healthy. Jovan Bua covers the L.A. Clippers for The Athletic. Thanks for a few minutes. We enjoyed the uh, enjoyed all the free agent talk. Yeah, anytime, guys. Uh, look forward to the next few days.